1: M-S-W-Media.
2: Hey everyone, this is Scoot McNary. I'm here with Dan Dunn on What Are You Drinking? What's or, it called again? <laughs> what We're Drinking with Dan Dunn.
0: Come on now.
3: You want me to run these lines with you? Oh, I got it, I got it, I got it. All right, here we go, let's All do right. it again.
2: Hey guys, this is Scoot McNary. Uh, I'm, with, I'm on uh, What You're Drinking with Dan Dunn. One more time. Hey guys, this is Scoot McNary. I'm with... Dan Dunn on what you're drinking. Yeah, what are you drinking? What hey, we're guys. drinking. What we're drinking. Hold on, hold on. Uh, I'm with Dan Dunn on what do, what are we drinking? What we're drinking. <laughs> what we're drinking. Hey guys, this is Scoot McNary. I'm on what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Yes, we got it.
0: We. Pour yourself a glass, sit for a spill, it's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking, well, this is what we're drinking with and done. Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah. Kali, my man. Thank you. That uh, wonderful song played live here in the studio every week. Welcome to the show, everybody. We've got a big one today. Oh, man. Oh, man. We're going to be talking about vodka, Uh, vodka called Neft from Austria, and here to talk about that a little bit later on the show is a, a bar star from Los Angeles by the name of Luke Barr, interestingly enough. Luke Barr, who works in bars. It's like his parents knew he was destined for it.
0: It is your destiny.
1: Do you know Luke Barr, Una? I don't. You don't know him? I don't, but I, I want to with the name of God. Speaking of
3: stars behind the bar, look with me right now, hanging out today. She is one of the best that L.A. has to offer. She's been tending bar. Now she's working... The, on, on the other side of it, she's working with uh, Bruno Mars' uh, rum brand called Selvray, but she's here to hang out and talk to me. Una Green,
1: hi. Hello. How are you today?
3: It's good to see you, and uh,
1: you're looking lovely as always. Vibrant, fresh, happy. Are you? Absolutely. I mean... Maybe the martinis last night helped a little bit with the glow today. You know, you hang out here a little bit longer. I'll bring you down. All
3: right. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, I'm already going. I'm going to start off Una right away. It's something I want to talk to you about. Yeah. So you go out all the time in your capacity as a brand. What is your th- actual title with, with Silveray?
1: I'm the Southern California brand manager for Ray. so I cover yeah everything from Santa Barbara to San Diego.
3: So you're out and about, you're doing your thing in the in the bar world. So I'm seeing a lot. There's a lot of things that have happened as a result of the pandemic, and a lot of that stuff that's gone on was was certainly necessary, sort of raising money and and, and change just changes that were made to the to the bar world. But one of them that I'm seeing now, and it, it, it sort of started to happen when we were coming back from covid was adding on the tips automatic gratuities is that we'd say at a bar now people they do it in restaurants and i get that especially at large parties and all this but i'm talking now i've been to numerous bars of late where it could just be me and a friend we go in we order drinks and then at the end have some drinks and at the end they they say oh yeah with the gratuity's been added and i got a problem with that you want to hear my problems or you want to just you want to talk about okay you do want to hear them I do. <laughs> okay. Tell there there, there are many. There are many. First of all, you know me. I'm a, I'm a, I am am love the bar world. I love it. I love taking care of my bartenders. You got to do that. You got to tip your servers and you got to tip them heavy. Okay. But here's the thing. I still believe in the idea of an incentive. Now, with a server at the table, they're there. They're hanging with you for like an hour and they're busting... I go in and I order a round of drinks at a nice cocktail bar in Los Angeles. Just one round of drinks. Let's say I'm with three other people and I buy four drinks that are probably in the twenty dollar range. That's kind of what it is now, right? So eighty dollars for one round. It could be you know easy. It could be one round of wine even that they just have to pour the poor thing and the bills eighty dollars. They tack on twenty percent. I'm tipping sixteen dollars on one. Round of drinks, yeah, and I'm and I'm not given an option. So the other part of it is, if the not all bartenders are created equal, you know that. For every Una Green, there's a fucking shitty person doesn't know what the hell they're doing, right? So uh, what happens I get a, a couple of Negronis and a couple of uh, Greyhounds, and they and they mess the drink up. I'm still there's no option to go, hey, can I have that tip back because you made a
1: shitty drink, right? No, I mean just like or have the drink remade if it's shitty, you know, like just ask for them to redo it. But dude, I know it's, um it's something that I've been seeing more of also. Um, and I personally, coming from the bar world, coming from restaurants, growing up, working in them, you know, it, it's sort of like, you earn your tips, you know, it's like, it, it it sort of takes away from the service aspect of things. I guess it would probably make people a little like lazier if they knew they're just getting twenty percent. Not saying that that's the case. That you know service might be lacking, but I feel like if you're already you're guaranteed to get like twenty percent, it's like why even try?
3: <laughs> In California, not only are you guarantee twenty percent, you're getting fifteen dollars an hour. Right. That, that's the minimum minimum wage here. So you're getting. Jesus Christ. So let's, let's do a little math here. You help me out. A high volume bar. We're not going to name any names, but any high volume bar that's doing, you know, a lot of business Friday said, what's the bartender ringing per hour? I'm talking about a busy place. Like, let's say like a Hollywood club. What do they ring in an hour?
1: 500, a thousand more. I would say probably at least like 1500, 1500. High volume, yeah.
3: Got it. So now let's say you're ringing $1,500 and you're getting a 20% tip on everything Everything that you serve. You're getting 20%. That's $300 an hour. Now, I get it. They're probably sharing the tips across the board, with, but it's $300 plus your $15. Di- I'm in the wrong fucking business. Clearly, <laughs> what am I doing talking on a goddamn podcast? Like I was just going to say- and, the other one that gets me, by the way, I'm, I'm all over the place right now, but the other one that gets me when they don't tell you, a lot of times right. they don't tell you, they try to get yeah. sneaky and they add the tip and they don't tell you. I, I swear when that happens to me, I, I feel like going, you know, I'm never fucking coming here again.
1: Totally. It's like definitely an integrity thing. I mean, if they add a tip or gratuity or any kind of service charge, they should be required to tell you. And because I know... Honestly, I, when I see the total on the check and I see a tip line, I don't really fully read everything. We can't be reading. We're drinking. So, I mean, the airports do that too. Like I was just at LAX and you know, they do an automatic 20% and I didn't notice that and they didn't tell me. And I like tipped on top of it. And I realized as I was like packing up my stuff to get to my flight and I was like, Oh, I like tipped way. Too much. But, you know, paying it forward, all good vibes. You know, you know? what it is, Una? No, there's yeah. not
3: good vibes. It's not good vibes. It's crazy. <laughs> it's, it's crazy.
1: Crazy.
3: That's right. Patsy Cline, crazy. Crazy. I'm seeing this happen more and more. And now here's the thing. I am in support. What's his name that did it? Was it uh, Bobby Flay? Or no, who's the guy that's got the... Uh, What's his name? I don't know. It's in New York. He famously went to no tipping. And and I'm actually okay with the no tipping in the restaurant scenario, sort of. But the bar, it just can't be that way. It just can't. Because especially when you're charging exorbitant prices, which pretty much everybody is now you're not going to a decent craft cocktail bar restaurant in Los Angeles and paying anything less than fifteen dollars a drink you're just not right and and more and more it's creeping up towards twenty and I just am not going to buy well I guess I am because i 'm doing it, but I just don't think it's fair that I bought one round of drinks. You have determined for me that I have to give your fucking bartender i don 't mean fucking bartender sorry no i'm way too hold on (laughs) let me hold aggressive
1: (laughs) fighting words Um.
3: Uh, you know what you know what i got here's what happens you know why i get so upset about this you know why i am the one who knocks yeah see that's for me that's angry dan um i just you get me on this do you get me am i being an asshole like it's just why am i tipping 15 dollars on one round of drinks
1: Yeah. I mean, cause there's also this, this point too, like when I was bartending and we didn't have this sort of thing and I could be, I'd make like four drinks and usually like, you know, people tip two bucks a drink if you're lucky, you know, it's sort of like, or you pour a beer and you get like a dollar for pouring a beer, you know, uh, So it's just sort of...
3: Una, how long would it take you if I ordered, if I walk into your bar, I go order two vodka sodas and and, and, uh, two Negronis. What's that going to take you? Probably three minutes
1: tops? I mean, yeah, those are pretty simple drinks to do. And so... Now I throw
3: you eight to $10, which is what I would do. I throw you eight to 10 bucks. Don't you feel like that's a pretty fair exchange? Yeah. Three minutes of your work, you just made eight to ten dollars. Now repeat that twenty more times over the course of the hour. You're making great money. Yeah. But it's—I really don't want to make this just about the the bartenders. It's not about that. It's more the vent. It's just going like—is there going to be a breaking point where people go? You know what? I just can't even go the fuck out anymore. It's costing me so much money to go to an to to a nice place. And I know that sounds like an uptown problem, but I really do love a lot of the people that own the bars and restaurants and I feel like they're shooting themselves in the foot because eventually I think I don't know, but I'm guessing people are going to go enough, enough's enough. I'm just not going to go out. It's too expensive.
1: Yeah. I mean, it is too expensive in general. I, you know, I, it's, I'm lucky I get to have this awesome job where I get to try out and go to like all these amazing places in the name of Salvaré, you know, otherwise it's like, you're paying $18 plus a drink. I was just in the valley and uh, there were $18 cocktails in the valley. And I was like, what? It's crazy. It was like downtown prices, you know, Venice prices. Kind of wild. I mean, I know life's more expensive now and like, it's a different world, clearly, um, that we're living in. But I think people are really, they they want to spend their money. They want to go out and have experiences like the before times. And they're just going to be choosier as to like where they spend it. And how and on what and with who, you know. So businesses that have, you know, they should just be grateful. I mean, when I ran bars and stuff, I it was just so grateful that people would come to see me and my. You were just so
3: grateful that I didn't come in because she's like, you can see in her (laughs) face, like, thank God this dickhead didn't come into my bar bitching about tipping. Uh, You look, I like, I love the tip, I love to take care of bartenders, but come on. I haven't tried the drink. There's no incentive to get better at your craft because we all know this. When you go to a place, we all know good bartenders and bad. I you and I, we're not yeah. going to do it on this show, but we, we could, I could talk to you and go, oh yeah, that's a great spot. They make great drinks there. Oh, that place is way too overpriced and they shitty the bartenders. They don't train them, but who fucking cares if you don't have to, there's no incentive. You're just getting paid. You know, you're making 200 bucks an hour. Uh, and who can, why would I bother? Why would I bother training? I'd be too busy spending my money on hookers and blow, which is, oh <laughs> shit. Did I say that out loud? Um, anyway, all right. I don't want to get too excited here. As I mentioned, you know, we, we've got, um, we've got a uh, Neft vodka. I'm going to be talking to Luke who you don't know and you should though. I mean, you really should, but, um, Neft is from Austria uh, it's mm-hmm. a fantastic vodka. It won best vodka about four or five years ago at the San Francisco World Spirits Competition, the very prestigious composition, which yours truly uh, was once upon a time a judge for. Uh, so it's a good vodka, but it's from Austria. And uh, we all know that the greatest export from Austria, what is it? Oh, maybe we don't know. Do you know what the greatest export is from Austria?
1: Um. Yeah. Is it the Von Trapp Family Singers?
3: Well... That's possibly. possibly. Yeah, could be that. Um <laughs> anything else? Um Arnold Schwarzenegger. There you go.
1: And by the <laughs> way, I did not I did not coach Una to say that. She did it is it's Scabby Schwarzenegger, right? I mean, come on. I mean, I, I think of the Von Trapp family singers first though. The sound yeah. of music.
3: What's your favorite song from there? The goat herder I mean, song? I love that one. Which song? The goat herder song. Is it? Wait, what is
1: it? Oh yeah, yeah. Isn't it? That's wait, what's one. it What's your favorite? Like, all of it really is amazing, you know? Oh god. I mean, well, the sound of music, of course, Julie Andrews freeing herself in the field, amazing. So iconic. The whole soundtrack really is amazing. And I feel like they always play it on TV around the holiday, like Easter. Raindrops you know. on roses. And whiskers on
2: kittens <laughs> Bright copper kettles And warm woolen mittens Brown paper packages Tied up with strings
3: Luna looks like she's about to cry You're so happy So
2: good Cry
0: the
1: dog bun.
3: Anyway.
2: Let's start at the very beginning.
3: Okay, everybody's tuning out very now. Good. All right. <laughs> anyway, sound of music.
1: Um, like, You're welcome, everyone. So Don't beyond,
3: beyond the sound of music, we have Schwarzenegger. <laughs> and I. so we have a segment here on the show, Una, uh, we call What Will It Be, where we have celebrities that come into our bar. It's Lloyd, the bartender from The Shining, happens to be the bartender there, and these various celebrities come in, and I, I found some footage of uh, when Arnold Schwarzenegger came into the bar. Do you want to hear it? Yes. All right, here we go. A
2: little slow tonight, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is, Mr. Torrance. What will it be?
3: Mr. Schwarzenegger, lovely to see you again. Who the fuck are you? Why, I'm Lloyd, the bartender. What can I get you? Could I speak to the drug dealer of the house, please? Well, we don't serve drugs here, sir.
0: What are you, my father?
3: How about I fix you a nice cocktail instead? How've you been, Mr. Schwarzenegger?
0: My nipples are
3: very sensitive. Oh, well, that sounds uncomfortable. Any idea what's causing the irritation? It's not a tumor. It's not a tumor at all. I should hope not. Here's a drink, sir. Well, that hit the spot. Glad you enjoyed it, Mr. S. I've got a little extra here in the tin. Here you go. Take it back! Oh, you're taking it easy tonight, I see. You should not drink and bake. You're planning to do some baking? What are you, my father? I apologize for prying. (laughs) Anything else I can get you? All right, enough philosophy. I better get going. It's always wonderful to see you, Mr. Schwarzenegger. I'll be back. I look forward to your return. Who the fuck are you? I'm Lloyd, the bartender. I'll be back. Yes, sir. (laughs) You have a wonderful rest of the evening, sir. My nipples are very sensitive. I do hope you get that cleared up. Hasta la vista, baby. Take care. Pretty cool, right? Arnold Schwarzenegger coming by.
1: <laughs> I love yeah. it. Oh, amazing! Yeah, He's a really. real friendly, friendly guy. Yeah, really?
3: <laughs> Have you ever met Arnold Schwarzenegger? Is he ever coming any of the bars you've worked in?
1: No, I haven't met him actually. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would love to, that'd be so amazing, but
3: yeah. Is there a fame, uh, favorite Schwarzenegger quote from you? Yeah.
1: I mean, just, I'll be back. I mean, is that lame? No, like us, us, the hasta, hasta
3: la vista, it's, baby. It's and
1: like, you there. know, yeah. yeah, I, I, cause I say that you I'll be back. And then I, and then I ghost and dip out Irish goodbye.
3: Well, that's a good segue because you will be back. We're going to have, Una's going to be joining <laughs> us more and more on the show. I hope, uh, including in a couple of weeks, we got, a uh, an interview. Uh, we're going to, our guest going to be the great, my old dear friend, Jackie Martling from the Howard Stern show fame is going to be here. And I think, uh, you're, you might be joining us for that one, right, Una?
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm excited for that. I, I can't wait to meet him.
3: You're like a Stern super fan, is that correct?
1: Yeah, I I, I grew up listening to him uh, back before Sirius. You know, like on terrestrial radio um, on WBCN in Boston. That that
3: was. What do you like to listen to now, show wise?
1: Oh, um, I actually I love this podcast called. <laughs> What are we? What are we drinking with Dan Dunn? <laughs> uh,
3: yeah. sucking up, sucking up will get you everywhere. Um, that's
1: that's <laughs> it.
3: Well, we'll leave it at that. That's that's all you got to say. That's the only one we wanted to hear. That's the only one. Okay. Yeah, we're gonna. So we're gonna take a quick break. Sponsors, you got to take care of our sponsors, everybody. They keep this thing going. Uh, and then we're gonna be back with Luke Barr from Neft Vodka Una Green. What a, an absolute thrill having you on the show. I look forward to having you on more often. I hope you had fun. And I apologize. I got very, I got very worked up. I was very worked up and I need to calm down next
1: time you're on, I think. No, I mean, you know, you're, you tip your bartenders. You're a great dude. Just, you know, it's all about, you know, paying it forward, making people feel good. And hopefully that, you know, your bartender does that for you. especially if they're charging 20%.
3: (laughs) I couldn't have have put it better myself. Una Green, great seeing you.
1: And done. thank you. All right, I
3: got to get something off my chest. It's about rum. You see, all rum begins in sugarcane fields, but not all rum is made from fresh sugarcane juice. In fact, 100% fresh sugarcane juice rums are rarer than honest politicians, slow-footed professional soccer players, and gooey love ballads by Ramstein. Or is it Ramstein? Anyway, the care and attention required to make great rum from fresh sugarcane juice is time-consuming and expensive. That's why most rum brands don't bother. Thankfully, Batiste ain't most rum brands. Batiste is the first sustainable American craft rum. It's a delicious, clean, and environmentally positive spirit that you can feel good about inside and out. Kind of like you do when you're listening to Ramstein. Or is it Ramstein? Batiste is the result of a special collaboration between an historic French Caribbean distillery on the remote island of Marie Galante and a Napa, California-based producer of sustainable spirits. It is the brand's mission to bring the ethics and standards of the all-natural food world to rum. Right now, Batiste Rum has a hell of a deal for you, my listener. Go to BatisteRum.com, that's B-A-T-I-S-T-E-R-H-U-M.com. Fill up your cart and enter code DUNN, D-U-N-N. You'll get 20% off everything you've ordered, 20 friggin' percent. Damn, that's awesome. Folks, Batiste Rum is my go-to invite you to make it yours. It's proof that great taste with true sustainability is not a goal for tomorrow, but a reality today. Friends, I love football. I really do. There's just something so exhilarating about watching grown men in silly padded outfits getting in there and mixing it up. And speaking of mixing it up, how's that for a segue, huh? When you're having friends over to watch football, the last thing in the world you want to do is be spending half the damn game playing Master Mixologist. It's a time consuming pain in the ass. That's why my fridge is always well stocked with ready-made mixers from Fresh Victor. If I've said it once, I've said it 14,763 times. You can buy the finest, fanciest, most expensive spirits in the world to make craft cocktails at home. But if you use lame mixers, you're going to get lame drinks. Well, that ain't going to happen with Fresh Victor. A line of all-natural, clean-label cocktail mixers that are as smooth as Josh Allen throwing the long ball. Fresh Victor features eight unique blends with contemporary flavors designed to suit any palate. All the ingredients are fair trade sourced. There's no artificial anything Mixers are produced at a 100% solar-powered juicing plant with absolutely no waste. Right now, Fresh Victor is offering a blowout win of a deal to my listeners. Simply go to freshvictor.com, fill up your shopping cart, and at checkout, enter promo code WWD20 to get 20% off your order. Touchdown! Score! Something else! Here's what I know. Now's the time to treat yourself to the very best mixers on the market. And that's Fresh Victor. Oh, Godfather, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. You can act like a man. What
1: can I do? Is this how you turn out a
3: Hollywood Pinocchio that uh, cries like a woman? <laughs> what can I do? What can I do? What is that Nazi? Joining me now, a true bar star here in the city I live in the city of angels I was gonna try sing the song he's worked and consulted for a variety of notable establishments across the country including the Beverly Wilshire Hotel Bezo Tortilla Republic and Taste on Melrose right here in Los Angeles he's also worked at the Four Seasons in Aspen and Four Seasons in San Francisco Katy Trail Ice House I've been there down in Dallas, Texas, and also the Adolphus down there in Dallas. Uh, he's also done some hosting with, for Disney Cruise Lines and been on ESPN, OWN, NBC, CBS. Jesus. He's killing it. Luke Barr, how are you, man?
2: <laughs> Damn, that's like the best intro I've ever had. Thank you.
3: You're welcome, man. Oh, and I left out. You're the global mixologist for Neft Vodka, correct?
2: Yeah, my uh, my current uh, 9 to 5, I guess. Or Really, it's just... Any time of the day, but yeah, I was
3: going to say something special. I don't think I've met a brand ambassador that works nine to five. Uh, it yeah, doesn't exist doesn't anymore. Happen, it's yeah. more like
2: five to nine or something. But yeah, yeah.
3: So, how did you get involved with Neft?
2: There is a world-renowned artist named Paul Robinson that was with this company kind of from the get-go. That, believe it or not, was just a regular and became a buddy of mine from one of the the venues you had mentioned earlier. And called me up one day and said, "Luke, we're with, working with this vodka brand." Would love for you to come in. We want to talk to you about being a mixologist, and I and I kind of giggled and I said, "Look, I don't mean any offense by this, but it's vodka. You don't need a mixologist, and uh, just hire anyone to flavor it like you want to flavor it." Yeah. And then, of course, they asked me if I would take the meeting, and I was like, "I, I love free lunch. I'm going to come hang out with you guys." So went, had lunch, and uh, we tasted the product after lunch, and I had to eat my words right there. Uh, the product was just different, and ever since then, it was pretty much a reversal. I was begging them. To, to let me be a part of the company uh, in more ways than I was.
3: Let's go to that point there. When you say it's just different, explain mm-hmm. that to somebody who held the attitude that you had.
2: Great question. And I'll put it as in the most layman's terms that I can. Um, the way that you make and distill a product, there is a a variety in many different ways to do that. But the ingredients you put into the product always upgrades the final piece. Uh, tilapia versus Chilean sea bass. They're non-comparable. You know, your your chop steak versus a Wagyu, you know, from Ruth Chris, they're non-comparable, but they're both technically the same thing. So when it comes to why our alcohol is different, we use the top ingredients, all ancient non-GMO, old world rise from very close regions in Europe. We only use a 50-year artisanal uh, Austrian spring water. And the way we distill our product, which is only two to three times for consistency, as opposed to seven, nine or 12, uh, we use a copper pot distillation and we only rest in column stills. So really what that means for anyone out there is we're made closer to scotch and cognac without barrel aging after.
3: Yeah. And, and as Luke just said, I mean, most vodkas are going to be column still and they distill the shit out of it so that you- doesn't taste like anything.
2: Once again, I I, I don't believe in bad politics. I, I don't think any product out there is wrong. They just use different ingredients, different distillation process. And for me personally, Neft creates a, a more translatable uh, drinking experience for those guys like me that grew up with tequilas and bourbons and scotches because of the finish, because of the viscosity, because of that caramel vanilla kind of lingering flavor with it. And that's just that little bit of pepper or in our case, lemongrass that kind of gives you that warmth in the top of the register. So- this one for me was was just an easier translatable alcohol coming from who grew up drinking tequila and bourbons.
3: I'm going to argue that point, though, that there's nothing out there that's wrong. Uh, trust me. Mm. I've had a lot of it. <laughs> I've, yeah. talked, I've talked about a few of the products here on the show. And I'm with you, man. I, I don't like to bash stuff. Like, I've never been a person where I'll just do bad reviews of things. Right. If I don't like it, I just avoid it. But there are certain products that are so offensive on on various levels that you got to kind of rip into them so to that note <laughs> I, I this is I'm not even saying this could be bad stuff but you mentioned it vodka it's it's such an interesting category because there are truly great vodkas and I do yeah, and there's sure. and there there is a difference between a product like neft and product b that we won't say the name right that, you know, where you've got, I can tell. Like Neft is a really well-made vodka, and there mm-hmm. are there are numerous well-made vodkas, and there's a lot of shit vodka on the thing. You yeah, know? and that, that's true. And I think where the shit really happens in is because more than any other spirit category, people really like to experiment with flavors. And, vodkas.
2: and vodka lends itself to that, to be able to do that. To yeah. be able
3: to do it, yeah, because it's a fairly neutral- brand.
2: International Bachelors, uh, our bartender association literally calls it a, a neutral, colorless, uh, flavorless, uh, odorless, na- uh, neutral grain spirit, which they're changing that now because of products like Neft and others that are doing different distillations. Um, but I want to talk about your shit vodkas, you know what I mean? And, and without having to bad mouth it, let's just say that shit vodka is made for a different purpose than the drinking experience. Yes. There, there's, there's a two prong approach to every company. And we all share one in common. We're here to make it a business. And of course, that means turn profit, make money, right? To continue the business. Some of the rest, some of us also really appreciate that second prong approach, which is to create the best product and drinking experience out there. So let's just say the shit products out there really only have a one prong approach. And maybe that's more important than the flavors and experience to
3: them. One I'll call out. I've called out on this show before and I don't, they deserve it. I don't I think they're around anymore, but it's called Ivana Bitch. This was tobacco flavored vodka.
2: When, I remember When this. people
3: ask me the worst thing, this is always top of the list. First of all, the name, Ivana Bitch. Come on. Like right there, canceled uh, before. Yeah. Canceled. But this yeah. is a, this is a tobacco and menthol flavored vodka what the
0: hell's going on i mean what the hell is going on i mean
2: there's an ask for every seat i suppose you know what i mean yeah. but this one seems like it's very limited seats
3: <laughs> yeah now uh the brand called 360 did a glazed donut flavored vodka have you ever had this
2: i have not on purpose um okay. I, I, it's just not my drinking style anymore I, I think if we wanted to get a glazed vodka flavor being a mixologist. I'm going to use probably a more natural or eccentric ingredient than just trying to flavor my vodka. I'm also not a big infusions guy. If you want a cucumber flavored infused vodka, just put cucumber in your shaker tin, muddle it or shake it, and you'll get that flavor. And you don't have to waste all the vodka because now it's cucumber vodka forever. So once again, not my approach. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I I just don't think it's the best way to truly get the flavor in a cocktail if that's what you're going for. It might be the easiest way.
3: You do what my grandmom used to do. You get up in the morning, you get your donuts, and you and you have your glass of vodka, and you keep them separate. But you you know, yes, just, really. it's a, yeah, you don't have the, there's no infusion going. You take a bite of the donut, sip of the yeah. bucket, There you go. Uh, Van Gogh did a um, <coughs> excuse me. Van Gogh did a PB and J flavored vodka, which I have I have tried, and I I don't know. There was also a, a dill pickled flavored what do you, I would like to get your opinion on this Luke, because they're putting a lot of pickle in everything now. Yeah, I've seen it in beers it, and it, in- well
2: pickle picklebacks were a thing in the south um and I don't I I I'm not going to act like I know how it began but there was a myth and a legend that of course pickle juice keeps you hydrated. Uh so if you have the pickle back shot with your we drank it with Jameson or a lot of people just do it with chilled vodka. Um, but two separate things. You, you shoot it, then you have the pickle back. Apparently, it's supposed to keep you hydrated through the hot days in Texas. We also put ice when you're halfway through your beer. You fill it up with ice and it melts. You feel like you're getting hydrated. Okay. I don't know if there's any scientific evidence to back any part of that up, but I always like the idea that someone decided that it was enough to talk about it. We're now guys like me believe it to some degree, but I don't know if it's just because I don't think it's pickle. I think dill is actually the better flavor profile to mix with a lot of vodkas out there or alcohols because it blends well with rye.
3: Is Neff doing any of this stuff? Flavors getting? No, crazy?
2: We, we we do vodka flavored vodka. vodka. That's, that's,
3: it. It. that's it. Like, I'm, I'm just saying, like there's another company out there called Odka. So you should probably expect it from a company called Odka, but they do. Yeah. They've got fresh cut grass flavored vodka. <sighs> what? What am I doing here? And then the other one they have though, electricity flavored Vodka. Now, first off, you can't drink electricity. (laughs) That's good. All right, I teed that one up for you. (laughs) Shocking. All right, and then they have a wasabi flavored vodka. There's just a lack of salty caramel. See,
2: I don't. I don't want to once again. I don't think any of this is wrong. It's it's just different, and it's it's not my style or my approach. Especially when I create cocktails, I try to do the most farm to table more natural approach that I can, because I think that's where we get the best flavor profiles. I've never once had a banana flavored anything that tasted like banana, you know, like unless it was a banana, <laughs> you know, it was a pie, like there's no candy that's flavored banana that tastes like banana. They have to use chemicals and artificial things to recreate the, the flavor. So for me, anytime we're using, uh, and it's oils really, I should say not chemicals, oils to, to use flavored vodkas. I just think we're losing any essence of the drinking experience.
3: One of the really cool aspects of Neft is the packaging. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. I, I, I'm a big, i you hear me, anybody who listens to this show regularly knows I'm a huge proponent of having cool looking vessels behind Absolutely. your bar. And, and, and Neft is certainly qualifies. Talk a little bit about the packaging.
2: Great. So I want to start off by saying it's not a gimmick. We did not create this just to be the eye catching thing on the shelf, even though we do get that result a lot of the times. Um, Katya, I, I just want to say this cause we're, so, we love this woman, a uh, female founded and owned. Katya who started the company created this product because it's a lot uh, lower carbon footprint and more recyclable than glass out there. And that's something that we're facing right now is not just proper glass, but recyclable glass. And we're also in, in a version of a metal shortages for certain things like I believe aluminum. So we have a proprietary blend of aluminum and 10. There is a vinyl inlay on there to protect the product inside. Um, That is, like I said, about 80% lower carbon footprint, more recyclable. So we can ship almost two cases of liters around the globe for what you could usually ship one case of 750 glass. Um, The reason I love this is because we're not confined to shape. Much like glass, you can, you know, blow glass to many different shapes or whatnot. With this material that we have, our proprietary blend, we're going to see bottles in this shape. We're going to see packaging starting to come out with whiskeys, bourbons, tequilas with this material just in different shapes, I would assume. Uh, because it's actually better for the product also. A lot like boxed wine where we really weren't, it's not attractive and we think it's cheaper or screw tops. It's actually better for how we drink that product. We don't let wine sit for five, 10 years like we used to, and then open it as a vintage. We drink it within weeks of it being put on a shelf. Yeah. So it, the screw top we realize, and the aeration of that and the boxed wine is actually better for the product inside in the way we're consuming today. And I think we're going to start seeing that shift in movement with this kind of material. So that's one unique aspect of the packaging. The other thing is there's zero breakage for all the on-premise accounts out there. It might dent, might move its shape, but you're not going to crack. It's not going to leak. It's an unbreakable product to a degree. I promise you we've tested it past this, but your normal droppage, any kind of breakage shipping, we have zero breakage. So that's great for us in, in, in product loss.
3: Is that a big deal? I mean, I, I got to imagine there's been sure. times where they've got whole cases get
2: destroyed. and It, it happens Every day. Now, I don't want to say it's a massive issue, but any breakage is money lost. And usually that has to come from the distributor or the owner of the product itself. Because no matter how your contract is set up, depending on what state or country, it's all different. So someone's losing money. So that's bad each time. And it's not just losing the liquid and the product inside. You just lost the cost of that bottle, the cost of that case, the packaging that it's sent, and everything has to be sent back and start the whole process over again. So it, it's a pain in the ass is really what it comes down to, but it does cost you money. And if that happens enough, you're out of business. So zero breakage is good. Cause even if the product is dented, we can go in there and do something like a sample swap and we can use that to go do tastings or whatnot for on-premise, off-premise accounts without actually losing the liquid inside or it being uh, changed in any way, compromised.
3: And again, it, it looks good. I mean, it's one, it's, of, cool. it's, it's a cool looking white. We got the white and the black, right?
2: Mm-hmm. White, black. We also have a Pride Barrel.
3: Pride Barrel. I've seen that. I, yeah. I, I got to get one of those. That's a really good looking one
2: as well. And We'll get you, we'll get you one, Dan. All Don't right. worry about
3: that. I appreciate that. And it got me thinking about like, you know, like the, the Blanton's barrel, you know, that way. Like, mm, the the barrels, tops are all different. The Blanton yeah. where you got that, you know, it looks like a grenade and a perfume bottle, which is cool. Um, probably the coolest packaging I've ever seen in person was a Louis Thirteenth Black Pearl Cognac Ooh. bottle, which Baccarat Crystal, not something... I anticipate having behind my bar anytime soon. Cause probably about 75 grand to get one of those, but
2: oh, Chris- em- empty those things go for a thousand dollars just as a decanter or more. They're nuts.
3: Was Dan, was Dan Aykroyd's thing. Was that kind of the first crystal head? Was that kind of the first unusual vodka packaging? I'm trying. I know there was one called bong. Do you remember this <sighs> bong vodka, which was shaved? Like, yeah. But crystal head kind of seemed like one of the first I... ones.
2: I, I think it may have been one of the first vodkas that looked like that. Uh, but there was a couple of things like Ka and some tequila packaging that came in that as a Dia de los Muertos concept okay. of the packaging. So once again, I have no idea how he came up with the idea or if it came off of something along those lines, but that to me seems a little more uh, about catching the eye a little more of the gimmick. Uh, it's cool packaging. It's great on Halloween. There's I've
3: noticed other brands are picking up on uh, what you're doing with the with the metal or the aluminum, Mm -hmm. I guess, because there's a couple of whiskey brands out there now. I mean, where, where does Neft fit? Were you early on that? Was there other, were they, was the packaging inspired by another brand or?
2: Uh, believe it or not, no, the the packaging actually was inspired. Katya got this somewhat of the idea from vintage olive oil packaging, uh, the top that we have, and we're actually going through a process of changing that to make it a little more bartender and user friendly. Um, but we'll save that for another conversation because I don't think we're locked in yet. Uh, but yeah, it, it was a great way. It was also resealable. So in order for someone to be able to open it and, and, and repackage it, um, and, and part of that concept came that she wanted to give all the people that that she was able to afford to make this product came from the oil fields and oil barons, uh, oil workers, from uh, uh, kind of Ukraine, Poland, Russia, and uh, what am I trying to say? There's a term for this, and I'm, please excuse me because I'm going to get this wrong. Um, Cyrillic comes from a Slavic language and, and kind of like, That whole people were always worked the world and the the earth in that area. And she and her family were able to make some money by being in the oil business. So neft actually means fuel or oil in Slavic. And so she wanted to pay homage. That's why we have the packaging in that shape. It looks like an oil barrel, but also the resealable and the unbreakable part was so that people that worked in the fields all day could take it with them. They could have it with them. At the end of the day, our, our proprietary blender packaging actually does keep the product cool for about six to eight hours after you refrigerate it. So they could have somewhat of a cool drink at the end of a long, hard day working in the field. Do you recommend
3: refrigerating it?
2: No, personally, I don't. Once again, there's no wrong way to drink it. It's a Reese's. Um, But I think like all the best scotches, tequilas, bourbons, cognacs in the world, we drink them at room temperature. We can have them on a single rock and drink it on the rocks. Or they're a great foundation for a spirit-forward cocktail. So I think Neff lends itself more to that way. I don't know why tradition tells us to put it in the freezer. I'm not sure where that started, maybe in the 80s or 90s when we were using Let's just say uh, less impressive ingredients in the distillation process. And uh, as we know, to chill something down uh, just mutilates any flavor profiles or aromatics, which is how we taste. So for some reason, we used to put it in the freezer. We'd take it out and shake it with ice because it wasn't cold enough. Then we put it in the smallest glass possible, shoot it back as fast as you can and follow it up with something like fish eggs and go, that's good vodka. And I think Katya wanted to change. That.
3: Remember pop off That stuff.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it still exists. I'm pretty sure.
3: Freeze that! Oh yeah. Well, it's funny. Many years ago, I did a when because you when you were talking about the bottle uh, being sturdy, I was in a liquor. I was in a like a convenience store, and they had it, and it said. I mean, pop off is like the cheapest bottle uh, yeah. you can get, and and it said now unbreakable bottle. You know, and uh, it was a plastic bottle. So I actually yeah. shot a video where I took it to the top fourth floor and I dropped it, and they were lying; it broke. Uh, even oh, the play, I mean, yeah, it didn't it was not unbreakable.
2: Ours, uh, ours holds up pretty well. I've, I uh, I took it on a trip down to Mexico last, uh, well, maybe a year or two ago, and I, I dropped it off third floor, then dropped off fourth floor, and it did not look the same. But all the liquid was still inside, stayed
3: inside. <laughs> you mentioned uh, cocktails. I want to get your take, Luke. You've been you've been bartending. For a long time. Let's talk about some of your favorite vodka-based cocktails. You give yours, I'll give mine. Sure. I'll, I'll kick it off. I What I'm really kind of enjoying now, and I will admit this on the show, I've been really digging the espresso martini yeah. uh, of late. And I don't know how many people know this, but uh, Dick Bradsell, who's a, undoubtedly the most famous of the modern bartenders who brought back this craft cocktail mm. resurgence over in London – Dick is credited with in, inventing the espresso martini in London in the 1980s. And I mean, it's just simple. It's vodka, espresso, coffee, liqueur, maybe a little simple syrup. Yeah. How are you feeling about the espresso martini?
2: Uh, I, you, you were talking about to me that that is a version of a classic, I think, because it's only like a three step build in there. There's not a whole lot of fruitiness to it. So I don't I wouldn't even consider it a mixology cocktail. I think it's all about balance. Um, and, and it's one of my favorites. I mean, I'm a coffee drinker. Uh, obviously I've always got a cup around, but something about the espresso martini to, to, to balance that for me and after dinner, espresso martini is exactly the the perfect cocktail to keep the night going or, or to balance you out before you got to drive home. But yeah,
3: I grew up in a very tough neighborhood in Philadelphia and it wasn't advisable to order an espresso martini where I grew Probably up, enough. you know, yeah. give you, do yeah. you want that with a side of fist or foot up your ass? You know, like that's how it would be. But now I, now I'm good. I mean, out here, you can get them anywhere in Venice where I live. Nobody, nobody looks at you sideways.
2: It's weird to think about. I mean, I've got the biggest, strongest bodybuilders in the world come in and order an apple martini or a Cosmo. And the truth is, is that like, it's just what you like, you know, drink okay. and, and and Hey, everyone out there, drink what you like. Don't that's listen right. to anybody else. Good point. If you like Disserano or Amaretto, drink that shit. It's fine drink what you like. Um, but I will say, try to seek out balanced cocktails, mixologists and bartenders that create balance. Those, those are the, the, the most impressive people out there. And I'll say this anytime I hire a new bartender, I have to do interviews the, the cocktail that I have them make for me is a Cosmo. And they always look at me like I'm crazy, but I'm like, if you, you can make it wrong very easily. You 100%. know, it, it's, it's a very hard cocktail, I think to master to balance, even though Everyone knows how to make it, you know, but you'll get it in every single shade of red or rouge that exists in the world or someone's garnishing it incorrectly, hilariously enough with an orange instead of a lemon or lime or, you know, whatever you believe in. So I think balance when it really comes down to it. Um, But yeah, I, I love the espresso martini. I think it's one of my personal favorites. When the only sound is the frozen silence of winter, you go to work,
0: throwing mountains of snow back into the sky. And when the track becomes a railroad again, it's Miller time. Time to head for the best tasting beer you can find. Miller High Life. If you've got the time, we've got the beer. Miller Beer.
3: Miller Beer. beer. If you got one chance to impress me with a Neft-based cocktail, what are you making me?
2: Um I I would probably do uh my white um Negroni, which which I really like, uh which I use uh yellow chartreuse, and neft. Um but it's it's a little untraditional. It's not exactly one ounce of each. I use I use a little heavier neft, a little less chinar, but it's I think it's just a a really fun cocktail and it's a really unique blend. So
3: wait, let's let's do this. So so everybody listening knows the the normal Negroni, the, the traditional Negroni would be made with gin.
2: Yeah, gin, red vermouth, and Campari. And Campari. Now,
3: <clears throat> so you're saying for this one, you're going to go what about an ounce and a half of Neft?
2: Yeah, just 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 about a little heavier on that.
3: And then what about Chinara? How much on that?
2: But about 0.75 of the other two. Just okay. just cut it out. So you're still you're still getting the same three ounce, uh, you know, pour out of that. Stir if it you up. the amount. Stir it up. And then I would say do it with an orange, same way you do everything else.
3: Okay. That one sounds good. Right, yeah, I'm going to try it. I'm going to go one day and see you somewhere and you're
2: going to make make me that
3: drink. I want to try. Uh, I got another one. I, a friend of mine created, I'm sure you know, Eric Alperin as well. He's a uh, legendary uh, barman in his own right out here in Los Angeles. He created one called a banker's lunch, which I really like. I I bet it would taste great with nap. What is that? It's an ounce and a half of vodka, half ounce of dry vermouth, half ounce of orange liqueur, an ounce and a half of grapefruit juice, freshly squeezed. Okay. Oh, it's so good. I like that. And the West Side, have you ever had the West Side, the Dushan Zarek drink? Uh, it's, the mo- it's the all-time bestseller at uh, employees only in New York okay. City. It's just a vodka twist on a South Side. You know, lemon flavor vodka, lemon juice, simple syrup, mint leaves. All of this, I think, would probably taste delicious with Neft, right?
2: It, well, it, once again, yes, because we're a rye spirit that is distilled in copper pot distillations, we, we have a lot more of that vanilla and caramel flavor profile that blends itself in barrel aged tequilas, uh, bourbons, and, you know, let's call it the, the, the lower end, less peaty, mossy scotches. Yeah. It, so that a lot of that stuff is translatable, but also the viscosity of our product really helps because when we talk about drinking, we don't really say it tastes like this. We normally describe an experience. Oh, it burns or made my hair stand up or, you know, got tingles on the back of my neck we usually don't go, oh, the, the lemon blueberry back end on the top of my register, you know, guys like you and I might, but for the most part, we, we describe an experience. So I love the terminology came out from, I think it was David Wondrick where he said, um, we have to describe the things as a bouquet because it's all encompassing. We have to just stop talking about taste because we're limiting what the actual full experience of drinking is or, or, or the alcohol gives us. So
3: along those lines, look. I mean, let's say somebody wants to compare and contrast vodkas so they go out and they get mm-hmm. their they get neft and they get gray goose and they get mm-hmm. stoli and and tito's and whatever and they're gonna do a tasting maybe we'll even do a blind tasting
2: mm-hmm. i recommend it
3: what's the conditions for the ideal
2: tasting? Okay. okay so usually i would say don't do more than three or four at a time and uh if you so if you're gonna do like 10 different vodkas don't sit down and drink 10 different vodkas the last one you taste is probably gonna be your favorite just because you might have a little buzz And because I do recommend actually swallowing. I don't really believe in a spitting system, maybe for tasting wines, but we're talking about vodkas. Um, Also, if you decide you want to smell or or do any kind of aromatized test, always keep your mouth open. Otherwise you can send your nose hairs and it kind of, you you won't get the actual flavor notes. But when you're doing vodkas, you don't need really to do an aromatized test, in my opinion. Not that nept is bad by any means, but I don't think it is going to tell you enough, like things like a sherry cask. Bourbon or something would because there's just so many more varietals in there and then i recommend doing a three-part taste of each one uh alone so if you're going to do a b and c do three tastes of a let settle middle notes have a little water three tastes of b settle three tastes of c and then if you had if you had a fourth one do d and then if you if you had more than that wait, do the rest of them later a different day then put your top choices back together do the same thing all right but i w- really recommend doing a three-part tasting of each one it, it just takes time for our body to assimilate to flavor profiles. It's like brushing your teeth and having your morning coffee. It, it, it's not so great, but after drinking that coffee, that rich, bold coffee flavor will, will over, you know, power that mint and toothpaste flavor. So just make sure that you give yourself time to assimilate to the flavor profile in, in, in three sips. When you bring
3: somebody on to work with Neft, is it important to you that they could be able to pick it out? If you were to line up three vodkas, one of them being Neft, that would be a good way to weed so, out. To, weed to work out with the, me,
2: yes, they need to be able to pick it out. <laughs> so if
3: you put up three. If if I if I came in and you one you put up three vodkas, one of them was Neft, and you said, "Tell me which one's Neft," and I and I tried all three and I couldn't do it. You don't get the job. I huh?
2: I, I would probably just say, "Tell me which one's your favorite." So I I've I've done blind taste tests and usually I'll do three different vodkas, no more than that. But I will let them choose, pick two other ones, whatever you want. Um, we'll leave names out of it. Just whatever you think is some of your best sellers or best vodkas. And let's do a blind taste test. I've done this over a hundred times easily. Neft has a hundred percent win rate. Okay. And I'm not, I'm not blowing smoke. I've never once had anyone pick any other vodka. And of course, I'm doing this at room temperature. A lot of vodkas, when they're, when they're made, they know they're not going to be, let's just say at their uh, mask, a mass efficiency when they're at room temp, as opposed to ours, which I think, really is at its best when it's at room temperature because you have all the flavor profiles but we want them in there. We yeah. want you to get that that rye, that beautiful little bit of pepper, not the burn, but that warmth, you know. We want you to pick up on the lemongrass, the vanilla, the caramel, you know, the velvety texture to it and that smoothness that sits with you. Kind of has legs like tannins in red wines and, and things of that nature which all that dissipates a little bit when you chill it, shake it, or, or mix it with anything else.
3: What does it go for? What's retail on Neft?
2: So the 750s, your fifth out there, uh, runs somewhere around 27 to 31, depending on where you are. Um, uh, obviously, there's specials and things that go on, but we're right just under that $30 mark in 750, and the leaders are right around 40. We sell a lot of leaders? You know what we do? Yeah. we. Um, I, I do believe we've pushed the 750s more in the United States market just because... Uh, On-premise, that's a pretty uh, usual number that, uh, sorry, off-premise accounts like to order because it's easier for them to compare this bottle versus that bottle. It's the same amount of liquid for some reason. The the buyer, it's just easier for them to to understand. Uh, But on-premise, people love the leaders, obviously. A little more bang for the buck. uh, Your case break helps out when you're selling on-premise and you get to save a few dollars per, you know. Sure. So yeah, but the leaders are great for on-premise accounts.
3: Okay. So affordable, delicious. Did we cover where where's neft exactly from though
2: austria so everything's made in austria in the ration alps um we actually are in the process of, of talking about looking at a couple different uh distillation locations but all the ingredients water everything that we sourced would still be done there and then transferred for possible distillation don't quote me on any of that yet but we're we're kind of looking at that to possibly even bring it to the united states for distillation here but would still be the exact same ingredients and water going into it and um but everything's done in Austria. We have a headquarters here in uh, El Segundo, California, not too far off from, from LAX, but down by the beach, which is nice. That's where we work most of the time.
3: I left my wallet in El Segundo.
2: <laughs> Man, I've lost a lot of stuff in El Segundo. It's you don't fun know place.
3: the song? It's, uh, no, it, wait, what, that's, that's a real song? Tribe Called Quest. I left my wallet. I lost my wallet or oh, left so, my wallet. in El Segundo, yes. Uh, <laughs> that's a song. Making the Music. Well, listen, Luke Barr... Man knows his stuff. I, I feel like anybody out there that uh, likes vodka, save this episode.
2: Even if you don't, do you Even think I say? You do you
3: think I say vodka funny? My friends, vodka, no. Vodka. I, vodka. I, it's I can phil- pick I'm up a Philly. little since you said
2: yeah. Since you said Philly, I can pick up a little accent. Vodka? Do I say it weird? No. I'm I'm from Texas, so I don't really have a strong Texas accent. And i they're talking to someone from back home, or I've drank enough, okay. and all of a sudden the y'all start flowing and. Widget digits and I talk about trucks. I don't know, but yeah, it, it all comes back out eventually.
3: <laughs> You're from Dallas area, right?
2: Yeah, I, I, See, was, I didn't
3: even br- I didn't even bring up the Cowboys. I didn't bring up the Cowboys Eagles thing, but uh, next, like you know, I,
2: I, is next, that, is that still a thing now?
3: Oh, we hate we but hate for, the Cowboys. Guys, I, 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 wait, wait, the let Cowboys. me say this first of all one of the joys of getting older and being a fan is you don't give a shit anymore. Like I remember when you I was a kid, go, I us. hate yeah. Dallas. And I'm like, I actually don't kind of, I like watching good football. I mean, yeah. you know, they, if it's a good game and Dallas is involved in it, I'm cool with it, you know, but, but they, but they are still our, from Rival. a, from a Philadelphia Eagles fan, there is no sure. greater evil in, in, in the NFL. Than but, the Dallas but, Cowboys. but we hear this
2: from the giants. We hear it from Washington. Yeah. Like, where everyone hates Dallas. Well, some of it's got to be right. jealousy. I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but... We had a good run for a while. Well, and not
3: only that, <laughs> the Cowboys are the single most valuable sports franchise in the world. Yeah. Eight, I just looked this up the other day. $8 billion they're valued at, yeah. the Cowboys. And
2: I, I was watching Seahawks Denver the first, or first week back. Russell's going back to play his own team. And they show the stands packed with... Uh, you know, they're, they're lime green jerseys, and then as they're panning through there, there's five or six guys, giant Cowboys stars and hats at a game the Cowboys aren't even in. I'm just like you can see them anywhere. Oh yeah, Cowboys fans. No,
3: it's hey, I've been down there. I've gone to that stadium a couple of times for Eagles Cowboys games down in. Jerry world, but it's fun, but we'll, we'll see. Well, maybe we'll get a little friendly wager going here. Something on Eagles versus Cowboys. But uh, Luke, where do people find you on social media?
2: Um, I just launched a a new social media one for Neft. It's at Neft bar with two R's. My last name, B-A-double-R. Hilariously enough. I did not change it and spell it wrong. I get that. I ask that all the time. Uh, Neft bar, best way to find me cocktail videos and any other information you guys need to find on there. I, I will respond to you guys. So as the kids say, drop into the DMs or slide in or whatever it is. <laughs> there you go. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm older than I look, you guys. <laughs> yeah.
3: I'm definitely, I look as old. I'm, I'm as old as I look. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Luke Barr, it was a real pleasure talking to you, man. And thank you for all the info. Uh, and I'm I'm going to go slug some neft now.
2: I love it, man. Hey, we, we got to get a podcast together. We'll call it Bar Done. It'll be great. <laughs> Cheers, brother.
3: Thank you. That's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. It's over, Johnny. It's over.
0: Nothing is over!
3: No, it really is. It really is over. I I swear. 193rd episode. Can you believe that? Wow. Damn. Because we're going to have to do something fun for our 200th. It's going to be right around the holidays, I guess, too, so... We're going to party down for episode 200. I don't know what we're going to do. If anybody's got any suggestions, hit me up at the imbiber Twitter and Instagram. I'm happy to hear it. You can email me, Dan, at whatweirdrinking.com. Hit me up. I'll go. I'll hit you right back. Not, not physically. A reply is what I mean. I want to thank Luke Barr, Neft Vodka, for joining me. It was great. Really learned a lot talking to Luke. And I also want to thank Una Green for being on the show. And, Basically listening to me rant like a lunatic about <laughs> mandatory tipping. I don't know. I, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. And honestly, if anybody has any thoughts, you can, uh, you know, do one of those uh, voice message memos on your thing and then email it to me. And I will, if you have a comments or questions, I will address it on the show. I will. And of course, I thank you for taking the time and spending it with me. I know you got a lot of options out there, billions. There are billions of podcasts now, billions. And yet, here you are, a little old day and done. And I appreciate it.
0: Okay, so guitar. Okay, so uh, let's start with this. What's, what's your name? Q T. Uh, where are you going and where you going with <laughs> Me my wallet wallet El left my wallet in El Segundo. my wallet in El Segundo. my wallet in El Segundo. I gotta get it. I got got to get it. I left my wallet in El Segundo. Left my wallet in El Segundo. my wallet in El Segundo. I gotta get it. I got got to get it.